Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today. This is part two, Blessings and Burdens. Have you ever noticed that life tends to bring both, both blessings and burdens? Now, sometimes it feels like the burdens overwhelm us and and seem to outnumber the blessings. But if you're a child of God, if you're one who knows Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know the blessings really do overshadow the burdens. But we still have burdens in our life. And there's this tension that we always carry. Paul talked about this tension. He says, I want to do what is right, but there's a power within me that's leading me to do the wrong. So we have this ongoing battle. But I want you to know, in spite of that, God is doing amazing things. Now today, I want to talk to you about how to navigate through the blessings and the burdens of life. And I want to share with you about a very important ministry. Now, there is a ministry that our church has been supporting, I guess, for over 20 years. It's called Treasure Path to Soul Winning. And this is a wonderful ministry started by the late J.O. Grooms. And J.O. Grooms personally taught me soul winning. If you are struggling on how to win souls for Christ, as a matter of fact, when I look at my life, I get a little bit distressed if I go too many weeks without leading somebody to Christ. I believe that God has given us a message. The message of the gospel is the most important message that we need to share wherever we go. And yes, the gospel is love and action. We should be loving people and being kind to people. But the gospel also needs to be preached. How are they going to hear unless somebody goes and proclaims the gospel? I believe that God calls every born-again believer. Everybody who has been saved is an evangelist. You should be sharing the gospel wherever you go. Now, I know that some people are uniquely gifted as evangelists, but that doesn't mean if you're not uniquely gifted that you don't have to share the gospel. Share the gospel wherever you go. So many times we worry about, well, I want to make sure I don't share the gospel with somebody who's not elect. Listen, don't even worry about that. It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon who said, I wish that God would paint a yellow stripe on the back of everyone he has predestined. And that way I could go after them. But Spurgeon says, you know what? God didn't do that. So he assumed that everybody's part of the elect. So share the gospel wherever you go. I find something really neat about this whole doctrine of predestination. The more I share the gospel, it seems that there's more people being predestined to go to heaven. And so our job is to share the gospel wherever we go. Well, Treasure Path to Soul Winning is a little red book, and it's a ministry, as I said, started by the late J.O. Grooms, who personally taught me evangelism. Well, you know, revival is taking place. Revival in India. India is a nation with nearly one billion souls. India is a country in which the majority of the people that live there are Hindu, Muslim, or Buddhist. Now, tradition tells us that Thomas, remember Thomas, one of the apostles that is more commonly referred to as Doubting Thomas? Well, Thomas was a twin, and Thomas was the one that was the questioning disciple of the Lord. Well, Thomas, when he saw the risen Savior, remember he says, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my finger into his nail prints hands and I can put my hand into his spear side. 
Well, Thomas, when he saw Christ, he says, my Lord and my God. He never had any doubts after that. So we really shouldn't be calling him Doubting Thomas, because once he saw the risen Savior, his doubts were gone, right? Well, he made his way to India. His job was to share the good news of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, according to tradition, the church that Thomas began was in a small little Indian town on the coast. And many Christians in these churches attribute their Christian roots to the Apostle Thomas. Despite India's apostolic influence in the first century AD, over the past 2,000 years, and in spite of that idolatrous paganism that has blinded the minds of most of the Indians, they are lost and without Christ. However, God is raising up a missionary there. The Apostle Paul, under divine inspiration, declared that where sin abounds, grace did so much more abound. And so God has given this missionary, who is actually a native to India, a guy by the name of Stephen Kumar. He's given him this ability to reach literally thousands of people with the gospel. He is one of the pastors that is training others to share the gospel, and in threats of all kinds of darkness, and the gospel of grace is being spread. In the month of January, I'm talking about January of 2023, this effort saw 7,023 souls making a public profession of their faith in Jesus Christ. 42 people have already been baptized out of that group. When an Indian comes to faith in Christ, they carefully disciple them before they baptize them. And so as we look at this disparity, say, wow, 7,000 people saved, only 42 baptized. Uh, It's going to take a while for them to understand because there's so much false doctrine that they have been embracing. So when an Indian gets baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it's actually life-altering. Most are disowned from their family. Most are ostracized from their friends and their jobs that they may hold. In other words, it costs them everything. So in the last month, 12,000 believers from various churches, have committed to memorize 178 verses of Scripture in the treasure path the soul winning course. With God's Word in their hearts, they're being equipped to make disciples, making a difference in their nation. Now, can you imagine what would happen here in the United States if when a believer became a follower of Christ, it would commit to memorize 178 verses of Scripture? What a difference we could make. Listen, there is so much blessing in knowing the truth. The Word of God is quick and powerful and active and and sharper than a double-edged sword, but we've got to hide God's Word in our hearts. We've got to know God's Word so that we can be able to proclaim God's Word. And I'm not talking about just having a cursory understanding of the Word of God. I'm talking about allowing God's Word to abide deeply within your heart so that it will transform your mind. It will motivate your soul, and that you will have a passion to reach the lost. Well, yesterday we talked about the blessings of knowing the truth. Paul is saying in Romans chapter 9, I proclaim the truth to you. And he says this is testified to the fact that this is the words of Christ, the presence of Christ. Paul says, I also have a clear conscience as I share the word with you. 
And he says, I'm not inwardly saying I'm deceiving you. I've got a clear conscience that I am giving you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Paul also talked about the fact that he had the presence of the Holy Spirit within him. He says, I'm giving you this message through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of truth. And that Spirit testifies to what I'm saying. And then Paul said that he had this constant passion. He says, I have this anguish, great sorrow, unceasing anguish in my heart, deep mega sorrow. You know, with the truth comes a burden. You see, if you are born again, you realize the blessing that you have received, but you also realize those who have not received the gospel, they are one day going to be miserable because they're going to be separated from Christ. Now, as we think about sharing the gospel, how much do you really have to hate your neighbor or hate your family member not to share Christ with them? Listen, when you love somebody, You want them to experience the same joy of Jesus that you have. And so today, I'm going to be talking to you about the burdens of truth. You know, a new study found that the average person is holding on to 13 secrets, five of which they've never told a living soul. And it's not the secret itself that is haunting us. It's all the mental energy that we spend and we expend thinking about it. A new research shows that some people actually feel physically heavier when they're burdened with a secret, and that extra weight can skew how they navigate their surroundings. As a matter of fact, when they got these participants in this study together, they were asked to judge a slope of a hill the length of its distance, and if they were preoccupied with keeping secrets, they would judge the hills as steeper and a distance as longer than they really are. The professor who did this study said, we found that when people were thinking about their secrets, they actually acted as if they were burdened by a physical weight. I mean, they actually examined 13,000 real-life secrets, to figure out what people are keeping secrets about. What's it like to have a secret? And why secret-keeping has overwhelmingly been viewed as a negative human experience. These secret involves things like lying, harming somebody, drug use, stealing, violating somebody's trust, sexual infidelity, or a secret hobby. Well, the team then asked the participants how often their minds wandered to think about those secrets in the past month, and how often they found themselves in situations that forced them to actively conceal these secrets. Secrets were far more likely to come down to the forefront when people were alone and their thoughts were involved in social isolation or social situations. In other words, We spend way more mental energy mulling over our secrets on our own time than actively trying to conceal them. You see, the burden of the truth of our secret, it weighs heavy on us. And that's why when we look at recovery, 
How do we get past our past? How do we get past our hurts? How do we get past our hangups? We must not live in denial. But even as we get past denial, there's still some burdens that we will carry. Now, not all burdens are bad. When I think about the burdens that we're talking about today, Paul had this burden for people, burden for lost people. In Romans 9, verse 3, he says, I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. What is Paul saying? Paul is so moved by those who are lost, his own people, the nation of Israel, that he says, I wish that I could be cut off from Christ. I wish that the word anathema could be used of me. That word means doomed for destruction. Paul says, I wish that the wrath of God would fall upon me instead of having my people to be lost. I would rather be cursed by God than have my people that I love being cursed by God. Now, this is unbelievable when you think about it. But Paul has this moving burden for lost people. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and and if you've listened to me any length of time, you know that I spend a lot of time with inmates. And I've given out probably hundreds of copies of Pilgrim's Progress through the years. John Bunyan was incarcerated for his faith. Now, sometimes I'll talk to inmates, and they'll talk about being incarcerated because they were wrongly accused. And maybe they were wrongly accused for one particular crime, but I haven't met an inmate yet who was falsely accused of all of the crimes that he committed. Now, John Bunyan was thrown into prison back in the 1600s for preaching the gospel. Now, notice what John Bunyan said. He said that he often felt while preaching that he could give his own salvation for the salvation of hearers. Then Charles Spurgeon, he kind of sticks a knife into this saying, and he says, I pitied a man who has not felt the same. Well, Paul felt that way. You know, Moses felt that way too. Moses, when he was leading his people across the wilderness, saw their sin. They were eaten up with their sin. And Moses had such a burden for his people when he found that God wanted to destroy those people. He says, Lord, would you please forgive their sin? But if you don't, then blot me out of the book you have written. Moses was so moved for his people, he says, Lord, forgive them. And if I have to pay for their penalty, uh, you can blot me out of the land's book of life, the book that you have written. A tremendous burden for lost people. Listen, when you've been set free from the sin of life because of the truth of the gospel, you have a burden for people. People need the Lord. Sometimes I ask myself, why do I keep going into the prison? Because inmates need the Lord. And not only do the inmates need the Lord, the staff of St. Bride's Correctional Center and Indian Creek Correctional Center and Chesapeake City Jail and Hampton Roads Regional Jail, they need the gospel. People in my neighborhood 
need the gospel. People that I work with need the gospel. People that are listening to this broadcast need the gospel. Listen, Christ loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. He willingly gave himself up as a sacrifice for us. He left his home in heaven so that we could one day be at home forever with his Father in heaven. He took our pain so that we'd no longer have to suffer the pain of the wrath of God. That's how much he loves us. You know, when you've been born again, you have a burden for people. When I was in seminary, I had a roommate, and he was quite the character. And he used to always tell me, he said, ministry would be great if it weren't for people. And I used to always tell him, ministry is people. People need the Lord. Paul had another burden. Not only the burden for lost people, but the burden of the truth is that he had the burden of promises. He's looking out and he says, the people of Israel, this is verse 4 of Romans chapter 9, the people of Israel, theirs is the adoption of sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants. Here we discover that Paul is looking at his people, the nation of Israel. He says, we are a special people. We have been adopted into the family of God. God has given us promises that we are his people. You know, there's a school teacher up in Canada who has made a detailed study of all the promises in the Bible. According to Time magazine, Mr. Everett Storms read through the Bible 27 times. And as he was reading through the Bible 27 times, it was a task that took him a year and a half. He came up with a list of promises, 8,810 promises, 7,487 of them are promises made by God to humanity. Well, we probably can't determine the exact number of promises contained in scriptures. We can agree with old King Solomon, who said during the time of the dedication of the temple, he gives a prayer concerning the validity of God's promises. He says, praise be to the Lord. Not one word has failed. Of all the good promises he gave through his servant, Moses. Oh, I want you to know, Paul felt that burden of the promises. The promises that God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All of God's promises, they fall into two categories. There's unconditional promises and there's conditional promises. Here's an unconditional promise. If your name is not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will be eternally separated from God. There's a condition. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That's a promise. Listen, there's burdens when you understand the promises of God's word. They're a blessing on one hand, but they're a burden on the other. That's why we must share the gospel. Because the Bible tells us that if somebody calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Well, Paul had the burden of people. Paul had the burden of these promises that he knew were true regarding his people, the people of Israel. But Paul also had a burden of provisions. As we continue down to verse number three of Romans chapter nine, he says, the covenants 
the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. I guess we could say here, of whom much is given, much is required. John F. Kennedy spoke these words in 1961. He was referring to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. And he talked about the qualities of great leadership. Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, also used this quotation in a speech that he made to new graduates, calling on them to give a life of service and to be responsible. Now, Paul wasn't just talking about material blessings. He was referring to the fact that his people received the law through Moses, a tabernacle to worship, a temple then to worship, and then they had the New Testament. Paul says God has given us covenants and given us the law, given us the temple. We have all these provisions. We must share them. Well, Paul had one more burden. It's found in verse number five. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. You see, here Paul realized his people were the people that Christ came through, the lineage of Christ. Listen, we're not privileged because of our skin color or our wealth or our connections. We've been blessed with the privilege of being born again. The message of salvation was passed down through the ages by the patriarchs. Paul carried this burden for his people. You know, it's a sad thing that after all Christ's love has done for us, that we should repay it with lukewarm love to him. Charles Spurgeon says that the devil says you only serve God because of the wonderful things that he has done for you. I want you to know, God's wonderful things that he's done for us is not the only reason that we serve him. We serve him because of who he is. Paul reminded the Ephesian believers that we are blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy, to be blameless in his presence. In love, he predestined us for the adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. Well, today, I want to give you a challenge. Will you pray for the salvation of your friends, the salvation of your family? Would you be intentional, inviting them to come to church with you? Listen, we are doing a big Easter weekend service, April the 9th, Sunday, April the 9th, at 7, 8.30, and 11. And then at 9.45, we're doing an Easter egg hunt. Would you bring somebody with you to church on Sunday? Why don't you come with us and worship? Worship with us at Hickory Ridge Community Church on Easter Sunday. You can make the difference in the life of another person. Intentionally invite them. Now, what I would like to do, I would like to pray personally for the people that you are inviting. 
And I've got a group of people, about 20 people, every Thursday morning at 5 a.m. We'll be praying. If you will give me the name of somebody that you're praying for, if you just text it to me, 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. Shoot me a text and give me a name. You just send me a name on that text. And I'll know to pray for that person, and I will pray for that person by name. I'm going to pray that they get saved. Listen, an amazing thing happens when we pray about people getting saved. I find the more I pray for somebody to get saved, they get saved. I prayed for a young lady named Crystal, who is an atheist, who wanted nothing to do with Christianity. One day she was invited to come to church. She says, I don't believe in going to church. I don't want to have a relationship with God because I don't believe God exists. Finally, Crystal came to church. She came, she heard the gospel. The Spirit of God began to move in her heart. I just led Crystal to the Lord less than two weeks ago. She was just baptized, added to our church, just went through our membership class. That is the power of salvation. Why was she saved? In part, because she had family members that were praying for her. Not her immediate family. Her immediate family have no relationship with God. But she's got an adoptive family that are born again and been praying for her. Listen, prayer makes a difference. Send me a name. I'll be praying for that person fervently. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.